the Naval Aviation Enterprise implemented Naval Sustainment System Aviation in 2018 to boost mission-capable rates in strike fighters. This new way of doing business leveraged industry best practices to drive improvements in maintenance and supply. The goal? To reduce repair times and get aircraft to the flight line faster. Now this seven-pillar NSSA approach is becoming standard practice across all our naval aviation platforms. Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and today we're continuing our NSSA series that began with a two-part discussion featuring the senior NAA leadership. Now we'll start a deep dive into the NSSA pillars. First up, O-level reform and supply chain reform. Here to tell us more is Lieutenant Commander Lucas Spinazzola, Organizational Level Pillar Lead. Colonel Ryan Finn is the Assistant Director of Aviation Operations at NAVSUP Weapon System Support and a part of the Supply Level Reform Team. And from the Transformation and Sustainment Team, we have Mr. Bill Matson. Thank you all for joining us today. So I'm really excited to get into our conversation to learn more about these pillars and how they are helping us to deliver the warfighting capability the fleet needs to win at a cost we can afford. So let's begin today with a bit of background. Tell me, what is O-Level Reform and why was it developed? So like you mentioned in your intro, in 2018 was the inception of NSSA. And O-Level was a major focus area at the time. And we had to look at ourselves in the mirror and be honest. Uh, why were we struggling to maintain acceptable mission-capable aircraft? And what we found was that we were not standardized across the fleet, across the platforms, uh, nor did we have standard practices along the same flight line. Every squadron was siloed. We weren't talking to each other. Uh, we weren't sharing best practices. We didn't know how we compared to other squadrons. And amongst our uh, maintenance leadership, there lacked consistency and knowledge and expertise. So uh, we needed to change that. So we, the NSSA, developed organizational level reform, which is a framework that provides a standard way to manage maintenance. And we can boil that framework down to three tenets, transparency, efficiency, and accountability. All three of which are uh, vital in turning aircraft on the ground to flying assets. Uh, so we tackle transparency through visual aids uh, within the squadrons. And for fleet-wide transparency, we have uh, online dashboards with uh, performance metrics. Efficiency, we address by improving our scheduled maintenance uh, inspections and improving our resource management. And then uh, finally, accountability, which I would argue is one of the most powerful tenants we have. It assigns accountability every level of maintenance effort in, in various ways. And then these tenants have led to a culture change uh, within the squadrons and the enterprise. Colonel, tell me about supply chain reform. Why was it developed? It's always a question about how you're measuring yourself. So what NSS brings to the table is alignment to what we call the North Star metric, right? A, a one metric that the entire enterprise is supposed to align to. And in the past, people were measuring uh, small and discrete things that were relevant to their pillar, but not necessarily contributing to the ultimate goal of mission-capable aircraft on the flight line or full mission-capable aircraft. So I would say that these reform initiatives, all of them, are an application of these proven NSSA tenants across all pillars to improve readiness and to, and to actually deliver FMC aircraft more reliably. And as Lucas mentioned, uh, there are three major focus areas. There's accountability, which provides a specific goal to each unit at each level to focus all activities towards that North Star and towards their deliverable there's throughput, which is uh, seeking increased velocity for each task and, and a removal of idle time or downtime at each organization or echelon. 
And there's prioritization, which assesses the most impactful readiness decisions to be made and works across all activities. And that's part of the problem before is we didn't really use anything that uh, prioritized across each of the pillars. And I think that the NSA is bringing, you know, through the mock as sort of the nerve center, that prioritization alignment to each of the pillars. So explain to our audience how the O-level reform and supply chain reform pillars work together and each fit into the overall NSSA process. It's very powerful to have a direct link to the supply world, especially from the organizational level. And really that's true for every pillar within the NSS, being able to work within uh, every aspect of the enterprise is just a powerful and uh, efficient way to operate. So me being O-level, forward-facing with the fleet, a lot of interaction. So as an example, through discussions or just through uh, reviewing data, I might key in on an issue where we might have an issue with the supply apart or just the system at large, right? It's very easy for me to interact with my counterpart in the, in the supply pillar and discuss the issue. Is it an issue? Uh, is it not an issue? Is it being handled? Is it being attacked? And if not, maybe it's, it's something that uh, is worth their attention, right? And so each pillar is a direct conduit to that organization, that part of the enterprise. So now they can uh, take that on board and talk to, and they know exactly who to go to and which leverage to pull. So they're going to take those comments and they're going to address them with, with their counterparts in the supply world. So being able to very efficiently and very poignantly attack key issues that I see uh, arise, it's just a very direct way to uh, to handle issues and come to actual solu- resolutions if required. And then the opposite is true too, when supply is interacting with, uh, sees an issue uh, that might possibly be an O-level issue that I could attack or I could ask questions to key players within, within the O-level and then uh, come to resolutions and attack issues. So Colonel, I'd like to hear your take on the same question. How do the pillars work together and each fit into the overall NSSA process? So I think that each of these reform actions is actually pretty much complementary to each other and they rely on each other in a nice little symbiotic relationship. So alignment to the goal is emphasized through the mock calls and it brings every all the pillars together. So the supply pillar is trying to provide the right part at the right place at the right time while asking the O-level to only order the right part in the right quantities. That means that we're not spending our time going after superfluous stuff and we can focus on those things that are really to greater items. I think another thing that the NSSA did was refocused everybody back to what actual mission degraders are. There's a lot of parts that, that can be put on order. There's a lot of things that the supply department can pursue that don't actually affect mission capable rates or full mission capable rates. We prioritize across the entire enterprise for that. what's the next most impactful mission capable decision that we can make. What's the What's the aircraft that needs the the next part or the next maintenance action? And it only needs one. And everybody focuses to make sure that that has that part and that the accountability of that maintenance department to perform that action is is being done. And that way, the alignment is there. Everybody can see it. Every squadron or every Marine Air Group has had a maintenance meeting on a daily basis. But what this is doing is expanding the horizons. And it's not just the local supply and maintenance getting together. This is wholesale talking and it's across the entire TMS. And so one unit might not have a problem, but they hear somebody talking about something and either they have a part or or, or some sort of maintenance solution and they can offer that up for the betterment of the entire TMS. 
So it comes back to the symbiotic relationship and the alignment through the, the mock calls and the HUD calls. And again, that accountability aspect, that's one of the three main tenets of NSSA. Naval Sustainment System Aviation has been in place for almost four years now. What is the focus or goal of O-Level Reform? And Lieutenant Commander, how has it evolved or changed since its inception? As I may have mentioned, we were very siloed at the onslaught of, of NSSA in 2018. So every squadron operated in most cases uh, as they saw was the best way. So when O-Level Reform began, uh, it was about breaking down walls, shocking the system so we could change culture and introduce concepts such as a fleet-wide transparency, embracing the red, not placing blame, so not attacking the management team, but attacking the problem. Those concepts, that's still our focus and it's still our goal. But four years later, those concepts are more widely accepted. For the most part, uh, our maintenance leaders get it, and uh, we're not seeing resistance to the management framework uh, that we put in place. So what is our current goal now? To evolve the system for the better. Circling back to the fleet level, evaluating what's working, what's not, particularly in performance metrics, asking ourselves, are we tracking the correct metrics? Are we driving the intent behavior? And beyond performance metrics, uh, it's really important we help develop IT solutions that put sophisticated management tools in the hands of, the, of our squadron maintenance leaders. And, uh, and we do it right by choosing the correct IT environments and utilizing the voice of the customer, which ultimately is our type wings and our squadrons. So that's why I see our current goals in, in the next horizon is uh, circling back and ensuring we, we are making the right decisions and that everything is working and then making life easier for the squadrons and allow them to make uh, informed decisions and, uh, and better decisions and easier decisions as our current and future goal. Colonel Finn, over to you. What is the focus or goal of supply chain reform and how has it evolved or changed since its inception? For all of NSSA, the uh, goal is alignment to the North Star. And that's, uh, I definitely feel that uh, prior to each pillar was more of a stovepipe and they had their own, their own goals that they would strive towards, but they weren't necessarily all aligned. And so this is a refocus on mission-capable aircraft on a daily basis on the flight line and full mission-capable aircraft on a daily basis on the flight line. And and how are the efforts from each of the pillars actually contributing to that final goal? And it's an increased level of communication. And I think that over time, that level of communication has continued to to evolve and to, to get more and more intense, which is which is all to the benefit. And then lastly, I would say from, from a supply perspective, one of the biggest gains that we've done is that the NAE for, for decades has been talking supply. And invariably when they talk supply, it was a conversation to NAVSUP and DLA, which represent the wholesale supply chain system. And that in the course of evolving the NSSA metrics, we have inserted retail supply chain metrics because it's a significant portion of how we get to readiness and the supply contribution. And, uh, and it just was never never measured at the higher level before. So as O-level reform and supply chain reform proved successful, the NAE established the Transformation and Sustainment Team. That was a year and a half ago. And since that time, the team has been busy working with various communities to reach readiness goals. Bill, tell me about the team and your main areas of responsibility. So Michael, as you mentioned, given the successes of NSSA with the F-18 and the E-2 communities, the NAE established an organic NSSA transformation and sustainment team. We are a team of roughly 10 folks and we're geographically dispersed. 
And what we're responsible for is both transforming and sustaining NSSA within the NAE. What I mean by transforming, transforming is implementing the principles, the strategies and reforms into that community. And from a sustainment perspective, uh, continuing to assess those reforms and, and strategies within the transformed TMSs to ensure they're the most effective and efficient. We're kind of forward looking as well as looking in the rear view mirror as well. So how we came about, we, um, we went through a six week training course. Uh, we called it a boot camp where we were trained by an outside consultant on the ways of NSS and what it would take to actually implement the, the given strategies and reforms to those TMSs. Our first opportunity was the P8 community. And at the time, which was roughly a year or so ago, we engaged with the P8 community and they were, they were attaining their North Star. They were meeting their mission capability rate. So the air boss kind of threw us a curveball and said, let's go after full mission capable on P8. So our team worked with the, v, the P8 community, implemented our reforms. The community did a great job embracing NSSA and owning it. And they ultimately reached their FMC target which was their highest that they had ever attained. We have since then moved on to the V22 community and we've been working with them roughly eight months, establishing their North Star, assessing opportunities for mission-capable improvement within the pillars and developing action plans within those pillars to meet their MC goals. After V22, we have the remainder of the NAE TMSs that we will transform. And we've been given a three-year implementation plan by the Airboss. He wants every TMS to be in NSSA within a three-year time period. So Bill, it sounds like you're going to be very busy moving forward. When we talk about NSSA, we constantly hear the words continuous process improvement. What is continuous process improvement and what process improvements have we seen to date? Well, I think the entire NSSA philosophy itself, the culture the mindset is valued upon continuous process improvement. But we specifically as a transformation and sustainment team, we are continually looking within each of our pillars to improve. In other words, we would, we're continually looking at the metrics that are dr driving those pillars to reach that North Star, continually updating them as need be. But we're also looking at each one of the reforms and the tools and, and looking at how could we do things better how can we make that ecosystem more effective and efficient? And how we've done that to date is we've met with members of the F-18, the E-2, and the P-8 communities, and we said, okay, what could we do better? What metrics would you like to see? What, what do you think would be more effective you know, for your particular community? So we're continuously looking at ourselves internally on, on how we can be, be better and, and improve. So what are some of the most significant changes brought out by the O-level reform as to how we maintain and sustain our aircraft? Lieutenant Commander? I would say it's a standard framework that I mentioned before. So uh, to go into that, we now have aircraft leads. We now have hangar bay chiefs. 
and that are doing a lot of the uh, heavy lifting for maintenance control and really alleviating a lot of the pressure from maintenance control and managing the manpower and the workflow throughout the day. So we're assigning accountability at the aircraft lead level. And then he answers to a hangar bay chief, a, uh, a supervisor above him who understands the priorities of the day, understands the workflow, and is able to address problems in real time. And then liaison any issues or updates to maintenance control throughout the day. So it's just a more efficient way to conduct our business and it signs accountability because now aircraft lead, it feels responsible for that aircraft and he wants to be successful throughout the day and uh, provide an up aircraft. Uh, so he's going to really drive the maintenance on that aircraft and uh, provide the up asset. So you know, a significant change would be just the standardized uh, framework because it just wasn't something that every squadron was doing. So now we're all speaking the same language. We all understand our business across the enterprise. So Colonel, same question. What are some of the most significant changes brought out by supply chain reform as to how we maintain and sustain our aircraft? As I mentioned earlier, the most significant change is the addition of the retail supply chain metrics and accountability. Again, for too long, the NAE only talked about the wholesale when we talked about supply. And we're now also analyzing and measuring retail performance. And we've made some pretty significant improvements in retail availability because of that analysis. And they understand that if they're not meeting their goals and they're not meeting their metrics, there's a requirement for them to you know, come up with a, an explanation and a get well plan and how we're going to eventually get there. So I think that's a, that's a pretty powerful tool. Additionally, we're developing a critical item list that define those supply parts that actually drive NMCS and PMCS. And so prior to that, right, we really didn't have a prioritization scheme within supply. And so we would equally pursue a component that may not hold an aircraft down if you didn't have it compared to one that always would hold the aircraft down if you didn't have it. And so now we're focusing efforts first on those ones that actually do hold an aircraft down. We're also aligning to the sustainment program baseline requirements. And so those are also being briefed out at the HUD on a recurring basis. And then adding to that, at the at the more tactical level, we have weekly supply chain calls that bring all the supply stakeholders up for a specific discussion to the the ways that we can address ongoing supply issues and develop you know solutions to them. They're moderated by the integrated weapons support team lead at NAVSUP, but they include retail, they include DLA, they include the program offices, the type model series lead teams. FST and others to make sure that there is proper alignment across all those. And those are just things that sound simple, but they weren't being done before. And each of those things incrementally improves our ability to provide supply support. Bill, how have these reforms benefited our naval aviation forces? I would, I would say that the, uh, the NSSA itself as a whole, that entire ecosystem, as I mentioned before, has, has changed the culture, has changed the mindset, basically changed the way we do business as a, as a whole. And, and with that has enabled the communities to attain and achieve the readiness targets that have been laid out by the air boss. So I mentioned specifically F-18, E-2, and P-8, and now V-22 are, you know, all started below their, their goals, and they were able to attain those in implementing the NSS principles and reforms. So collectively, it's the NSSA ecosystems themselves have, have had a tremendous positive effect on naval aviation forces. So Lieutenant Commander, speaking from an O-level reform perspective, what would you say is the biggest benefit? The transparency. 
that is created right at the O level. So now you can't, you don't have squadrons that maybe are hiding behind uh, well-performing um, squadrons. The metrics are all there, the transparency is there. So what we've been able to do is one, one of the biggest uh, benefits is being able to identify those struggling squadrons and also the squadrons that are doing well, right? To get those best practices uh, from the squadrons that are doing well and share them with the fleet. Uh, and then for squadrons that are struggling, being able to reach into those squadrons and ask the questions of, hey, what do you need? How can we get you where you need to be? So just that transparency has, has really paid dividends. And then also what it does also is it creates a sense of competition amongst all the different organizations. So I mean, if you're the wing on the West Coast, you're looking at your counterparts on the East Coast and you're wondering why they're outperforming you. So uh, then you start asking yourselves those hard questions of what are they doing differently and uh, what can we do differently and how can we improve? As an enterprise, as the Naval Aviation Forces, it's really benefited us in multiple areas, just from identifying struggling and well-performing squadrons to giving everyone a sense of, of competition and accountability. And uh, so, we can enterprise, so we can improve the enterprise, not just our own organization, right? We're trying to improve everything and all across the board. So that's, that's really where I see the, the major benefit to, to our system. Perfect. So let's talk about big wins. Lieutenant Commander, what have been some of your biggest wins to come out of O-level reform? Uh, yeah, sure. So as Bill mentioned, we've seen success in a variety of areas. We, every TMS has improved uh, their mission-capable rating. But if I was going to really pick out one win, I'll, I'll call out the uh, E2D, the BAW community. What we're seeing there in areas where our uh, wings or type model series of platforms where we see the biggest wins is when we see buy-in from every level. That's really where we see the, the impact um, occur. And so speaking uh, specifically to the E2D community, they started off at 60% meeting their, their schedule maintenance inspections on time. So uh, turnaround time, meeting that, that goal 60% of the time. And that was that had a direct impact on their emission-capable rating, which was a 40% of their target. So over time, they addressed this at uh, the, the wing level and the squadron level, and they made the uh, adjusted accordingly, made the correct changes, and then increased transparency among, uh, among their uh, platform. And what we saw there is them going to our, uh, achieving our target around target time goal of 85%. And again, direct impact to mission capable, that's translated to uh, them going from 40% to 80% of meeting their mission capable target. So the lesson there is the platform embrace at every level. You really see the benefits and you really see the turnaround. Great job to the E2 the community and, and um, the improvements they've seen. And this is over, uh, really, they, they caught this about three months ago. And so this is really just over a three month period where they really seen the turnaround again by just embracing the concepts. And Colonel, what about supply chain reform? Tell us about the big wins there. I would say for the supply pillar, the introduction of the V-22 and the NSSA focused the, the team on those NSSA focus areas of mission capable and full mission capable. And it led to a 41% reduction in IPG-1, issue priority group one, or, or high pry requisitions within five months of the team joining NSSA. So I think that was a pretty, pretty significant win for the supply pillar. Colonel Finn, earlier you mentioned the Mach AOG, or the Maintenance Operations Center aircraft on ground. How does the O-level maintenance reform pillar and the supply chain reform pillar work with the Mach AOG pillar? Yeah, so really, I think that, you know, look at the Mach as, as sort of the nerve center and the, the thing that binds each of the pillars together. You know, the Mach hosts daily calls that uh, each of the pillars is on, 
everyone gets an appreciation for all of the current readiness degraders and finds a way to contribute in, to those problems and, and to correct them. The mock sets the priority, has the uh, the aircraft prioritization tool, which is which is pretty darn important. And the mock brings the operational perspective and is able to to translate that into what's most operationally important and align everybody to their contribution to get to that next up aircraft. Bill, what have we learned from commercial aviation consultants and how did that change our approach to aircraft maintenance? The initial NSS, the principles and strategies were driven from commercial best practices. They were levied upon us as an NAE from a commercial entity, initially through F-18 and E-2. Everything is driven from commercial best practices. So to change the way we've been doing business, to be more like a Southwest or a Delta. And you could see that through the, the establishment of the mock, the mission operation cell, as well as Lucas has articulated with his O-level reform, more along the lines of commercial best practices. So speaking of implementing best practices, senior leadership emphasizes that NSSA is data-driven. This data helps us ensure we're following CNO guidance to get real, get better by really measuring ourselves across naval aviation. Bill, how does data help us identify efficiencies and or inefficiencies in the way we are doing business? So with regard to data, accurate data is imperative. And traditionally in the Navy, we, the expression garbage in, garbage out into our maintenance systems. So one of the focuses of NSSA is, is to have accurate data and to have actions driven from that data. As we've mentioned through the course of the podcast, everything starts or stems from that North Star or that MC target. So what we do as a transformation and sustainment team is we take that metric, that MC rate target, and we dissect it through the, through the development of a driver tree, ultimately levying metrics upon each one of the individual pillars. Colonel Finn mentioned non-mission capable supply. That's a metric that he has measured through the use of the HUD or the governance pillar to ensure that his particular pillar is meeting the contribution to that MC target that's been established. But everything feeds from data and and accurate data so that data-driven outcomes or actions can be taken. How does O-level reform empower aircraft leads? It's uh, super powerful. It's, it's the big benefit to what we're doing to all of what we're Being able to really empower a more junior sailor, so, uh, you know, a second class within the, the Marine Corps or Navy, it really gives them job satisfaction. It really empowers them and allows them to really feel like they're part of the picture. What we're seeing is squadrons that have, that really embrace aircraft leads. The best squadrons have good mentorship programs, good training programs for the aircraft leads. So when they do become aircraft leads, they, they're effective. Uh, they know what they're doing. They're effective. And we're teaching them to be project managers. And uh, that's a vital skill for when you move up in the ranks and you become a means controller. So it's great preparation for the future, for their growth and development. But uh, really, it just it, it allows them to uh, really feel like they're making a difference and they're able to drive success of the squadron. All right. So speaking of learning... What have we learned since the inception of O-level reform and supply chain reform? And how are we scaling that learning? Bill? Well, with regard to scaling, as I mentioned earlier, we have been tasked by the NAE leadership to scale or to roll out 
the NSSA principles across the entire NAE. And to do that in a three-year period, the F-18 transformation and the E-2 transformation took a considerable amount of time. So we have been given a, an extremely truncated time frame to implement these reforms across all TMSs. And as was alluded to before, TMSs are taking the lead, being proactive, looking at what other programs are doing and saying, hey, how could that fit within my TMS through the establishment of HUDs? I'll mention H60 has HUDs. Um, so they've implemented the governance piece already. Other platforms are coming to us and asking for assistance within specific pillars where they have readiness concerns right now. So we're continuously looking at what we're doing and what we're implementing by TMS and ensuring that it's, it's as effective as it possibly can be. It was mentioned before about the, the Marine Corps. We went to work with the V-22 as the first Marine Corps platform as direction from DCA. He wanted NSSA implemented within the Marine Corps. So we'll continue to work the PEOA programs, which contain predominantly all Marine Corps platforms. We'll work that first, and then we'll possibly go to JSF and the F-35 and the Bravos and the Charlies. And ultimately, we'll get to the PEO UNW platforms all within a three-year period. So, Colonel, we call this the Naval Sustainment System, indicating it's a joint effort between services. Why is that significant? Well, obviously, our services are tied. There's a lot for us to benefit from learning from each other and helping each other out. And so these are perfect examples of that. In fact, there are multiple TMSs that have now been tied more closely because of the HUDs, where they were being talked about independently by service. Now we're looking at even some of the uh, TMSs that have not been introduced yet, they see NSSA on the horizon and they're starting to take steps you know, to do some of the NSSA initiatives to get their aircraft in a better position. So uh, we've seen it not just in B-22, but in C-130s and in H-53s. And we've seen them start a lot of crosstalk and say, hey, I can see in this category, you, you guys are far excelling. What are you doing differently than us? And that goes both ways. And so for B-22s, we actually have Air Force in there as well. And we're able to apply lessons learned from the Navy Marine Corps to the Air Force customers. And, um, and so, yeah, so I think that just the ability to, uh, to coordinate, to cooperate, and to align everybody to that metric. And, and just one more thing, you know, from a supply perspective, and I mentioned the UMIPS before, we now have an ability to affect in a greater way when you're talking across services and and so one service you know, might have had a higher priority document, but it wasn't going to actually bring an aircraft up. Before these HUD calls, we never would have really put two and two together and never would have seen that. And, we, and supply would just deliver to that service. And now you get them on the HUD calls and they say, hey, look, we know we're next in the chute and that's, that's our part, but it's not going to be bring an aircraft up. And if we give it to you, you will. And so go ahead and take it. So that cooperation has certainly been enhanced by these calls. And finally, as we wrap up today's podcast, why is this work so important? Well, it's extremely important because it, it's been proven. There are proven successes through the implementation of the reforms and strategies of NSSA. I mentioned the F-18, the E-2 have had tremendous improvements in their MC rates. P8 ultimately meeting its FMC target. Fundamentally, NSS is to drive readiness. So it's so important that we provide the fleet the readiness levels that they expect and they need to fight the war tonight. 
the system itself is just is just powerful, right? Having and addressing those and maintaining those principles of accountability and transparency are absolutely vital. So and I'll just make the example of the mock call. Having everyone on that call and being able to make decisions real time and address issues and be able to attack problems quickly and efficiently uh, is super important. Like uh, Bill said, it's proven. We've seen the effects. We've seen how we have recovered and have maintained accessible mission-capable um, aircraft. And we really need to ensure that continues. It's so important because we've seen significant gains, as both my teammates here have mentioned. So it's important, you know, in that regards to bring all the other TMSs along into the realm of achievement of the same improvements, alignment to the same North Star goal, and an understanding of everybody's contribution to get to that goal. The proven success you know, makes it an imperative to replicate across the NAE so that we're operating optimally rather than uh, staying stale in our individual stovepipes. So the connection that this brings gets us all to that North Star. Having the collective community of all the stakeholders come together as one ecosystem to attack problems and remove barriers and to strive toward that readiness target it's, it's extremely powerful. We historically have never operated as an ecosystem. There so many silos that we've operated in for years. But through the NSS principles, to getting the collective ecosystem together, as I mentioned, for barrier removal and problem solving is extremely powerful. Holding folks accountable for the actions and completion of those actions is something we've never really done before. So there is, there's a lot of power in the system. There truly is. Well, I just want to thank all of you for joining us today to talk about O-level reform and supply chain reform. It's awesome to learn how these pillars, along with the transformation and sustainment team, are helping us to deliver the warfighting capability the fleet needs to win at a cost we can afford. This podcast is part of our NSSA series. In the coming weeks, we will dive deeper into all of the pillars, so make sure you tune in. Lots of great information coming your way. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.